Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the show. Hope everybody had an outstanding 4th of July holiday. Safe, sound, well-fed, no fireworks uh, blowing up your hand like JPP from the other year. But we want to get things started right away, talking baseball. We've been talking a lot about soccer and horse racing over the last few weeks. And Gino and I, as everybody knows, are huge baseball fans. He, in particular, being a Dodger fan, is going to be very interested in hearing what our first guest has to say. And that is... From the Athletic, Zach Buchanan. Good morning, Zach. Good morning, Gino. How are you both? What's cooking in AZ, Zach? Uh, everything's cooking in AZ. It's too hot here. <laughs> <laughs> I know how it goes because I've spent the summer there. And I know Gino wants to probably, he's chomping at the bit here to talk to you about whether or not the uh, D-backs are going to be able to hold off the Dodgers. But I want to get things started by just asking your opinion. It's been a very interesting first half of the season for the Diamondbacks. You know, it's kind of been a tale of who is the right guy to step up at the right time. You know, you've kind of had Goldie show up for about half the year, uh, injuries, and, and guys like Lamb and Pollock who have uh, contributed at points. Which of the Zacks, pitching-wise, is going to step up and uh, and deliver the goods? Looks like Grinky's finally getting into a groove here. Uh, Taiwan Walker being out and um, Buck Holt stepping in for a little bit, but also getting a little bit banged up. What do you make of this first step? Should they be happy that they're in first based on everything that's happened? Or have they underachieved a little bit because people aren't getting together at the exact same time to put together their best baseball? Uh, I think it's a mix. I mean, I think uh, having lived through the, that terrible May stretch they went to, they should look at, in, in that sense, they should look at the standings and feel pretty grateful that they are still holding on to first place even by half a game. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, they can look at that and say, my God, we should be better than that. I mean, Paul Goldschmidt was basically not himself for a month and a half. Um, and injuries are a factor, but they've also had other players that just have not performed. I mean, they signed Alex Avila to a two-year deal worth more than $8 million, and he was he decided to start the – not decided, I guess, but he started the season in the worst offensive stretch he's ever had. I mean, he's – Maybe one of the he maybe have been the worst offensive baseball player in baseball this year, um, and then other guys just haven't you know Zach Ovley hadn't been himself um, compared to last year, uh, and so there are a variety of ways where you know you can look at them and say wow they should be better than that, but on the other hand, uh, they should feel pretty grateful to have gone through such a miserable entire month where the entire often seem to forget how to hit the ball and to still be holding on to first place even narrowly. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I know Gino wants to jump in here because uh, the Dodgers kind of went went through a similar stretch, right, G? Yeah, that, well, that's, that's the key is that they're, the, the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks are both kind of lucky they're in the West because if you look at the, uh, the NL East, the NL Central, teams are a little bit better, and so they would both be uh, a little farther back. So I think it's going to be one of those instances where – 
they're both going to have to improve a little bit in the second half if either one would like to be a wild card team. But the main question that I have is, is pitching wise with Arizona. Um, looking, do you, does this team have enough pitching for the long haul to make it all the way through top end of the rotation? The one two with Corbin and Granke is excellent, probably comparable to almost any one two out there. But behind that, is there enough depth to keep this rotation going? That's kind of the big question for them in this stretch. I mean, they, they need to find out kind of who Robbie Ray and Shelby Miller are going to be. They've each had two starts since they've come off the disabled list. Uh, obviously, with Shelby Miller coming off Tommy John surgery, it's going to be a bit more of a process to kind of smooth things out for him. Uh, but they, they need to figure out how much they can trust those two guys down the stretch because if both of those guys can figure it out and are really good, then their rotation looks like a huge strength for this team. Um, but if one or two of them falters, then maybe you're thinking about adding an arm at the deadline. Um, as it looks right now, uh, rotation depth could be uh, an area they might look at. Uh, I'm not sure who would start game three of a playoff series for this team right now. Uh, just if you're going based on just last year's performance, it would probably be Robbie Ray. But you'd like to see uh, more than, you know, a kind of a stretch of good starts by Robbie, uh, considering that he didn't exactly start this season uh, throwing his best. Um, but otherwise, I mean, uh, that Godley is such a far cry from what he was a year ago. Uh Clay Buckholz has kind of found money at this point. I'm not sure how long you expect him to keep pulling that off. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a big question for them. And uh, another factor there is that there just don't seem to be a lot of starting pitchers available on the trade market. So uh, the competition for those guys could be a little fierce. What do you think is going on with Godley anyways? Is it, I mean, to me, w- watching you know a limited number of Diamondbacks games um, and particularly when he started, it seems that he gets, uh, you know, up into the pitch count pretty early on. You know, he's kind of a high strikeout, high walk guy, you know, and uh, that's kind of a recipe for the for disaster. You know, is he is it a location issue, confidence issue? Well, you know, he's got a he's really fortunate to have the, the win total that he's got. But it just seems like he, he's been getting kind of pounded lately. And I think a lot of that might have to do with, you know, the number of pitches he's throwing. Is that kind of how you see it? It is. I, I think it, the root of the problem is he's, he's just had trouble throughout his career repeating his delivery uh, with any kind of consistency. And last year was probably the best stretch he's had with that. He also had the benefit of teams not being quite as familiar with him and what he does. Uh, but this year, he's he, if you watch him pitch, he, he kind of spins off the mound in his delivery and sometimes almost loses his balance. And uh, he's tried to kind of rein that in a little bit. But uh, when you talk to him about, you know, why, why you're having command issues, why this, why that, he, he doesn't really seem to have the ability to describe the, just the mechanical process of what's going on. He seems to operate a lot by feel, and when he loses the feel, it can be a bit of a struggle for him to get it back. Um, so I, I think it's just he, he's, he's got kind of a high-effort delivery that's not super clean, and he has trouble repeating it over and over and over, and that's what leads to kind of the throwing a lot of pitches per plate appearances uh, in, in the walks and leaving fastballs over the zone to get hammered. Is His just mechanics are not very clean and repeatable. Now, if, if, for, for, all, for full disclosure here, by the way, and Gino knows this already, I'm in an NL-only baseball league, a fantasy league, that is, 
And uh, so the, the guys I'm going to spend the most time asking about are the guys that are killing me that I either need to figure out to cut bait on or, 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 to, or to ride it out with. So uh, that's kind of why I'm, I'm kind of interested in, in Godley. But also, he's, he's, a, he's a key piece, I think, in terms of uh, the Diamondbacks' success because I'm not sure that I'm a, a believer in, in Corbin's first half of the first half. And I think he's starting to kind of become a little bit more Patrick Corbin-esque. Is that a little bit of an unfair assessment? Or, or do you see him really as being a, a number two starter, maybe even a number one in the uh, National League? Well, I, I don't think it's an unfair assessment just because for that first month he was throwing throwing 93, uh, and now he's throwing 90, 91. And in terms of the effectiveness of his fastball, it's a big difference. I mean, he was getting a lot more swings and misses on the fastball in the first month of the season, and that in turn made his two breaking balls more effective. Uh, and he's obviously still able to get outs, Throwing ninety ninety one, he's been doing it for two months now. Um, but when you saw the guy that was averaging ninety three and hitting ninety five every now and then, you're thinking, "Wow, this guy, this guy could be really good." And uh, he he kind of backslid a little bit after that when he lost the velocity. No one's quite sure where the velocity went. He doesn't seem too concerned about it. Um, but I think, I mean, he's a top, you know. He's a number one or two pitcher on on most teams, I would say. Um, so I think you know you'd feel like he's going to start a playoff game for you. Um, but in terms of him being like a Cy Young candidate, that might be a bit of a stretch. Over the last couple of years, we've kind of seen um, Archie Bradley develop into one of the best bullpen pitchers in the game. He's such a valuable weapon that can kind of be used throughout. Um, other than Bradley, how what's your assessment been of the bullpen, the late innings? It seems like a pretty good one-two punch when you can move from Bradley to Boxberger, who's been, same thing, a little bit up and down, but for the most part, I, I think he's been pretty good altogether. Um, overall, how do you feel about the bullpen, late part of the bullpen, um, when you get into games that are close down the stretch? Uh, how, how will this bullpen respond? I think he's feel pretty good. I think you have four guys there that you, you, you have a pretty heavy trust in and Bradley Boxberg and then also Yoshihisa Hirano, even though we spit the bit last night. And uh, Andrew Chafin has really come on as of late. Uh, they could probably still use one or two more guys. They're, they're probably going to get Randall Delgado back off the disabled list today. Uh, he's obviously been out half the season now, and uh, I'm not sure exactly what to expect from him, but last year he was a very uh, useful piece for them in the bullpen. Um, really, you're looking at two guys in this bullpen who, you know, might not make it to the end of the season in Jorge De La Rosa and Fernando Salas, who have been fine, but uh, the times when they've been thrown into tight situations, uh, they have not been as reliable. And if you're trying to bolster this team for a playoff run where bullpens are used even more heavily, you might want some guys of uh, with a little better stuff. And they've got some guys in the minor leagues who could be interesting and guys like Jimmy Scherfe and Silvino Bracho who have thrown well up here generally. Um, or they can maybe seek something out on the trade market to make that unit a little deeper. But the, the, the back four of that unit I feel pretty good about. Um, the only concern is you kind of have to watch Boxberger's uh, innings limit, or not really a limit, but how often he pitches. When he pitches back-to-back days, Sometimes uh, he's gotten burned there, and the few times they've had him go three times in a row, you can just see the stuff is down. He, he doesn't have the same velocity. And so you want to be able to uh, rely on him uh, when he, 
he is able to throw and also have enough guys to cover games when he's down. Uh, so I could see them adding there. Talking to Zach Buchanan from the Athletic Arizona, covers the Diamondbacks, does a fine job. You were just talking about bullpen. Gino is asking you about, you know, um, you know, the job that they've done so far. One of the names that was brought up is Hirano. Uh, I read your piece on Hirano the other day. Uh, it was primarily, I suppose, about the uh, mound visit rule with the interpreter. But one stat that you cited that I'm sure most people are not aware of, um, it's probably not good through yesterday's game, obviously, but he had, uh, you know, one of the tops in terms of inherited runner percentage and, and closing out the innings, making sure that those runners don't come in to score. Uh, that's pretty incredible. I think he's right up there with like Brad Hand and, and, and a couple other guys. You know, talk talk about, uh, you know, was this something that they expected? You know, I don't know a lot about Hirano. I'm sure most people that are not Diamondbacks are not very familiar with him. Is he somebody that they brought from the Japanese league that they'd been high on uh, under the radar type uh, late you know, like and late inning type guy who can get you out of jams. You know, give us a little bit of a feel for that and uh, and some of those numbers that you cited. Yeah, I think they they brought him over thinking he could pitch in the later innings. I don't think they brought him over to be the closer, which he was in Japan. Uh, I mean, the deal he signed is not exorbitant. It's you know, two years and six million. Uh, he was thirty three when he came over, uh, and so you know, he's kind of like a bargain option for. That I'm back to have kind of built their bullpen on the cheap, really. Um, but they, I mean, they certainly thought he could get out. He wasn't going to be like some experiment for them, I don't think. They were kind of cautious with him early on for the first uh, month plus. He, he only ever started a clean inning. He never came in with runners on base. They tried not to put him in any jams. But more recently, he's been their go to guy with guys on base because he's got this uncanny ability to get out of things. Uh, he's got this kind of split. The splitter that he throws that gets a lot of ground balls that uh, has worked really well for him, uh, and uh, he's only allowed uh, one inherited runner to score all year, and of course went on this you know 26 game scoreless streak until last night. Um, he's just been really really good for them, really reliable. He doesn't get a ton of strikeouts, um, but he's he's got a mix that works for him. We've seen that Magic Johnson's obviously willing to uh, make big splash here in L.A. John Jay was one of the moves that the Diamondbacks made, uh, you know, somewhat recently, I suppose. If you had to kind of look into your crystal ball, who or which players do you think the Diamondbacks should target in order to be able to? We know that they're not scared of the Dodgers. We 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 saw that last year uh, when they went on our, their their crazy second half run. Who who do you think the Diamondbacks have to go after? Any names out there? Any rumors that you've heard? Well, everybody wants to connect them to Manny Machado, and uh, I do think they're interested, although they are wary of spending too, really depleting the, the farm system too much. They already have a farm system that's not rated very highly, and they've used some of those pieces to kind of fill out this major league roster to get John Jay, to get Steven Sousa, to get Brad Boxberger. Um, and so I think they're wary of spending too much of, of those prospects, but um, they could certainly use Manny Machado and maybe kind of split him between shortstop and third base to protect Jake Lamb from lefties and protect Nick Ahmed from righties. Uh, he would instantly make this offense so much more dangerous. Uh, and he's on an expiring deal, so it's not too much of a commitment. Um, but every contender in baseball could probably use Manny Machado, and others are probably better positioned to get him. Um, 
but that's the, the one to really pay attention to, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Otherwise, they, they seem to be kind of filled up at a lot of positions. Um, they've got plenty of outfielders now, even if Gerard Dyson has missed time after getting hurt last night. Um, so if, if you're not looking at Manny Machado, I think what you're mostly looking at is starting pitching and bullpen guys. Well, and we saw last year they didn't hesitate to uh, pull the trigger on probably you know one of the best sticks that was out there in terms of JD Martinez, who's doing a bang up job over in Boston. Um, so you know we 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 know that the Diamondbacks will make a splash if needed. Do you think it happens? Um, with Machado, I don't think it ends up happening. The, the, kind of the, the difference between Machado and JD Martinez last year is that the, the Tigers apparently just had trouble finding takers for JD Martinez. Um, and part of that may be that uh, he's kind of a, a one-way player. He's he's not really much good defensively, and so uh, that kind of limits maybe some teams who would, wouldn't feel comfortable playing in the outfield or looking only at DH type of situations. Um, and so the, the Dynamics didn't have to pay a huge prospect price to get him, uh, and uh that clearly worked out for them, but it's a little different with Machado because everybody wants Machado and he's 26 and he's one of the best players in baseball. And those guys just don't come available very often. Um, and he's a, a defensive wizard beyond being a great offensive player. So I, I think it's a little bit apples and oranges. Um, that I'm, it does show that Diamondbacks are willing to make a, a big acquisition to help boost their playoff chances. Um, but they were able to, walk a line there and, and not spend too much prospect capital last year, and I don't know if they'd be able to, to swing that with Machado this year. When you look at the National League, it's still early, but we're seeing a little bit of a changing of the guard with some of the uh, the teams who are leading their divisions right now. When you look over in the NL East, we have the Braves and the Phillies, who might be there a little quicker than some folks thought. In the Central, the Brewers seem like they're taking another step forward. Um, we've seen the, really the Dodgers, the Cubs, and the Nationals kind of dominate these divisions over the last couple of years. But of of the Brewers and the Braves and the Phillies, of these kind of more up-and-coming teams, who of them do you think might have some staying power and might be able to, to make it to the postseason this year? Uh, well, I'm not sure about the Braves. I haven't paid as much attention to them, but we, we've seen the Brewers and we've seen the Phillies this year. Uh, I would feel good about either of those two teams probably more the Phillies given their division and that the, the Nationals seem to be down a little bit. Um, both, all, all three of those teams really are doing that on the power of uh, really great farm systems where they've got kind of a young core coming up and all three of those teams have kind of uh, decided to add some veteran pieces to kind of fill that, all that out, uh, the Brewers and the Phillies especially. Uh, and so that, it kind of feels a little bit like, you know, the, the Cubs a couple years ago where they kind of went all in and got John Lester and Ben Zobrist to add to their young core. And those teams are kind of reaching those stages right now. Um, that can be a bit of a volatile stage because young players are young players and they don't always perform super consistently and they have to make adjustments. But uh, I would I'll feel good about all three of those teams in generally going down the stretch. But uh, having seen the Brewers and the Phillies, especially the Brewers, I think they're pretty good. Um, those are the teams I, I, would, I would think have a better shot. we got to wrap up in a moment here, Zach, but I want to piggyback off of Gino's question and talk to you about uh, the Cincinnati Reds, team that uh, I think you're probably still pretty familiar with. 
Looks like they're playing some pretty good baseball. I know that they're not going to be in contention for this season, but looks like they've been stringing along a, you know, a, a nice uh, you know June, July. Uh, they, this is a team that maybe has a, a brighter future quicker than maybe people had realized. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I'm a little sad that I'm not there to kind of witness it. It seems like it's a pretty fun time to cover them. Um, but I mean, they've had like a, a good core of players for a while and just the way they started the season, they were missing so many of their better players, uh, who weren't available when they started, I think like three and 15 or something. And all those guys have come back and they've started performing. And I think people are catching on to how good Eugenio Suarez is and Scooter Jeanette is making believers out of doubters by doing what he did last year again, um, it, the big question for them is going to be pitching. I mean, their bullpen is pretty good, but their starting pitching is still young and very unproven. Um, and I don't think they're going to sniff the playoffs uh, in coming years and, unless they can kind of figure out who of their young guys is good and worth keeping around and uh, figure out kind of what outside additions they need to make to bolster that. But the lineup... Uh, the lineup's pretty good. I mean, I think Scott Shubler's a pretty good player. Jesse Winker is a really good hitter. Joey Votto is Joey Votto. I mean, you go around the diamond, and I think you feel pretty good about what's out there. It's just that starting pitching staff that uh, they really need to find some answers for. Yeah, and they've been doing that without Billy Hamilton really getting on base and uh, showing us his wheels. Good stuff, Zach. Definitely appreciate you joining us. Tell our listeners how they can follow you and read your work and uh, social media and all that good stuff before we wrap up here. Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter at ZH Buchanan. Um, and if you aren't subscribed to The Athletic, uh, we always have like a seven-day free trial going if you want to see what it's about. You just go to theathletic.com slash MLB free trial. Um, and uh, if you decide you like it, I mean, it's super cheap. Uh, five bucks a month, you get anything. Anybody writes on The Athletic, we've got a huge staff now. We keep adding writers in every market, covering every sport. Uh, I think it's the best bargain in sports journalism. So, uh, But people can check it out, see if they like it, and see if it's for them, and hopefully uh, they stick around. I'm a subscriber. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Zach Buchanan, thank you so much. Hope we can check Thanks, in Zach. with you maybe, maybe later on during the season and uh, see how uh, fiery this uh, pennant race shapes out. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. There you have it. Zach Buchanan, The Athletic. We'll take our first commercial break, and we will be back. Talk World Cup Soccer. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience tune in to sports info um with daryl oliver and sam sword we'll talk about the drafts play-by-play and even what's happening in the offseason 
Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. Just finished talking up uh, Diamondbacks baseball, NL baseball. That was a fun conversation, Gino. I always like talking baseball with you and people that really know their stuff when it comes to baseball. And it seems like these guys from the Athletic that we've been fortunate to bring on, Eno Saris and Zach Buchanan, et cetera, they really know their stuff. They bring a unique perspective on baseball, a little bit different than the mainstream perspective, and that's why I like it. Well, they're, they're just in depth. You know, that, that's yep. for me, I, that's, how, that's just the way that I, I do I, my work and stuff. I'm one of the best. There might be people that are you know, funnier or, or no more or better looking. But the one thing that you and I have always done, and I, and I my forever, I just want to be the most prepared. I want to have the most information possible. And I love when we have guys on like that that we can just ask anything about any team. We can go from, from the pen to the stats to this and that. Like that's, that's your job, you know. When you're, you, should, you should have all the, the boxes checked. And we were very lucky that some of the guests that we have on are just really, really, really well prepared. Yeah, and that's definitely goes without saying. And you can kind of see that as they're describing the, you know, th- this is a guy that goes to all the games. I mean, he's at all the I home mean, games, every single one, even on 4th of July. He ain't partying. He's there. If you check out his Twitter feed, I mean, he's tweeting in-game. I don't know. He must have shot out like 20 messages. I mean, you could literally not be watching and just look at the Twitter feed and know what's going on in that game. It's just it's like anything. I mean, there's... There's a lot of people in, in, main, in any jobs you do. I mean, you, a lot of mainstream media people that you hear and you listen to, it's kind of the same thing over and over. And a lot of the times I scratch my head where you're even wondering. Like right now I'm hearing a lot of people talk about the Lakers, and I can tell that like nobody that's talking about it watched a game of theirs last year. You know, like what? I don't want to hear from those people. I want to hear from the people like Zach who knows everything about everything because that, that's what's important to me, you know. So uh, great job, Zach. He is all Diamondbacks, and I'm going to have to give him some uh, – uh, some crap as the year goes on, or maybe he'll be giving me some crap depending on, uh, <laughs> on, who's, on how the Dodgers do. Yeah, no no doubt. And you brought up the Lakers. I definitely, we're obviously going to be spending a lot of time talking about the Lakers. But before we do that, I had some thoughts about the World Cup. want to talk about that a little bit. It's been such a fun, exciting, unpredictable tournament so far. You know, I, I, I did a pool at the start of the, of the tournament. And right after the group stage, the administrator of the pool sent out a message saying, hey, who's interested in doing a redo in new pool? Kind of like how we did, you know, we've done that with uh, was March Madness, right? And so same thing, uh, you know, redo pool. Now everybody's saying, hey, for the quarterfinals, let's do another redo pool. You know, let's re-enter another 20 bucks a piece and that type of thing. It's been that kind of unpredictable tournament. But with that said, still could come down to a familiar foe like Brazil, like France, um, but on the other side of the bracket, we're going to get a new, at least uh, finalist 
uh, on the other side because you have Russia facing Croatia, Sweden facing England. Any thoughts on either of those games? I mean, Russia has just played out of their minds. I don't know if the fix is in or what's going on. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but last-ranked FIFA team in the quarters, possibly going into the semis to face either the winner of Sweden and England. That's the intriguing side to me. Obviously, Uruguay and France, perennial powers. Brazil facing Belgium. Brazil probably should get by. Let's talk about the other side, though, first. Russia, Croatia, Sweden, England. What do you make of it? I mean, home, home. They honestly, they're they're being carried. They, uh, I think the one thing that we've seen from Russia is that they're they're steady, and just so many of these powerhouses and so many teams were disappointing in in this tournament. So for Russia, it was just steady, 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 consistent. Don't make a lot of mistakes. Whereas, you know, we saw a lot of the big teams, a lot of the powers make those mistakes. I think this is where it's going to be trouble time for Russia, though. Um, even if they were able to get through Croatia, I really don't think they'd be able to get through either Sweden or England. So I, I think England's going to come out of that side. For me, it would be um, – I'll go England against uh, Uruguay. I mean, France has been playing very, very good, very, very well. Uh, Brazil, Belgium, I think, will go either way. But I'm going, to, I'm going to pick Uruguay and England in the final. That's going to be me. Ooh, nice. Did, now, did you get a chance to catch that england Colombia game, by the way? Excellent. I mean, England's fun now, especially for, for us with no U.S., um, with no more Mexico in. Uh, England's a fun team to root for just because of the, the backing, their history, the pressure that is on this, that team, how huge it is uh, for England. So I think it would be fun to see them at least make it to the final. It's a great story when they get there. I think just of the teams on, on England's side of the bracket right now, when you go through, obviously Russia would be a great story as the home team, but of Russia, Croatia, Sweden, and England, England's definitely the sexiest of the teams that would make it to the final and I think would be probably the best story. And then on the other side of the bracket, honestly, I mean, any of them, with Uruguay, you have a team with a couple of great strikers, you know, France, Brazil, Belgium, those are all big boys, you know, these are some of the big boys. So I think any, anyone on that side of the bracket versus England would be a very fun final. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. And I think in terms of name recognition, I mean, you always talk about that, right? Whether it's a Super Bowl or MLB, you know, World Series matchup or whatever, you kind of want to see maybe a David and Goliath, but you kind of can't have two underdogs, you know, finishing up there in terms of ratings and things of that nature. It's not as sexy, right? Unless unless they're like super popular. Yeah, Yeah, it would be a good, like a Croatia versus Belgium in the final would be a good game, but there, it wouldn't have that mainstream appeal, especially here in the United States. Oh, no. I mean, you're going to watch it because you're a soccer fan, but you're not like, I can't wait to see Belgium face Croatia, right? I mean, that's that just uh, being honest. You kind of want to see maybe a Brazil or a France facing one of these other teams. And I think England probably would be the one that uh, here in the U.S. we'd probably be most intrigued by. Probably anywhere in the world, unless you're from Russia, Croatia, or Sweden, I would suppose. So great tournament so far. Uh, I expect that it's going to keep being nutty and, and crazy and um, very much looking forward to these uh, next uh, few matchups here in the quarterfinals. Let's and shift our attention. For- oh, go ahead. I, I, you forced me for like 30 minutes, man. I've been like foaming at the I mouth. Know, I know, to- I know. I was like, you purposely did this to me. It was like a sick joke you're playing on me right now. The I was almost about to start bringing got- up like, um, have you seen cricket, the cricket matchups uh, I, I in India? We're going to start talking tennis with me and everything <laughs> and not even give me a, but we got to give it up to our buddy Alex Regla who joined us last week from a, yes. from a silver screen and roll. 
he was, you know, he was pretty spot on with everything that he said. You know, he yes. didn't think we were going to get Paul George the way that it was trending. Did think we were going to get LeBron. Um, and man, from last week when that free agency started at nine oh one on was it Friday night? Man, that was a pretty crazy forty eight hour period between you know immediately Paul George going. Uh, you know, Chris Paul got the big re-sign, but then when LeBron falls, then all the little dominoes start to fall around him. The Lakers make a bunch of one-year signings. You're still kind of waiting to hear what's up with Kawhi. Um, it's been we NBA free agency never was like that. I mean, it, in the last couple of years, it has really gotten crazy. As soon as that 901 hits and it's 1201 on the East Coast, um, but man, this is. Whether or not they're going to win it all this year, as a Laker fan, even if you're not a LeBron fan, as someone who's rooted against LeBron my whole life, this is incredible. Magic Johnson just hit an absolute grand slam. He brought the Lakers back to relevance. He got the best player in the league to come back here. Didn't have to give anything up for him. And now the key is, what is the next move for the Lakers? And in my opinion, it has to be sit and do nothing for here. You've got LeBron locked up for three plus one. He, could, he will be around here for at least three years, maybe four. He told Magic, he told the Lakers, let's be patient. I don't want you to go make a bad trade right now and kind of mortgage our roster just to make the move. Let's wait. Let's kind of be strategic about this. And I like what the Lakers did. They signed a bunch of guys to one-year deals. They have the young core with LeBron, and next year, hopefully they'll be ready to go and, and sign Kawhi. I just don't want to get rid of Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma, Hart. Unnecessary to trade any of those guys for Kawhi. Now, you've hit on so many different things, and I've got probably 15 bullet points that you've touched on in like two minutes, and I don't even know where to start. So let's just start with my first one, because these are not in any chronological or any type of order from uh, the series of events that went on. Right after they signed LeBron, I shot you a text. We're talking about it. And then I asked you, what does this mean for Luke? Luke Walton, head coach. So Colin Cowherd today, I don't know if he's breaking this or he's repeating somebody who broke this. Apparently LeBron and Coach Walton have not uttered a word to each other in the last week. Now, I interpret that in one of two ways. Either Walton's not the dude. Or they've got such a good, friendly relationship from before that it's not necessary. What's your, what's your take? I mean, because initially, both of you and I are kind of like, hey, Luke's in a good place. He's done a nice job. You know, he's the guy. Seven days later, what are you thinking? Or six days? I think it's still the latter because I, I do think that what, hearing the way that, that all this went down, uh, I think a lot, LeBron spoke a lot, really just to Magic, Palenka, maybe Genie. And I think it was a lot of Magic. Just Magic and LeBron. And, and really, I think this is what it came down to was Magic looking LeBron in the eye and telling him, you know, we're a lot alike. I've been down this road before. We play kind of similar style games. You want to be more than basketball. You know, you have bigger pictures for life and everything. So I think Magic was, was the man kind of really dealing with LeBron. So I, I don't take it as a slight that he didn't talk to Luke. I don't think he's talked to any of the Lakers personally. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's talked to Brandon Ingram or – Kyle Kuzma, who knows even they're, they're going to be around, but I don't, think, I don't think he's talked to like a ton of people in the Lakers organization. I think this was a quick decision. Yeah, but this is Gino, this is the head coach. 
I mean, this is this is the main the main guy. This is you know what I mean. Like Magic's the main guy. Magic's the guy. Magic's the guy who who got him in here right now. Because if there's no Magic, there's no LeBron. Okay, let's let's contrast the Lakers. Let's contrast the two LA teams, right? You have Doc Rivers, who's 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 been at least over the last you know three, four, five years heavily involved in all the roster moves. You know, I get it that Magic Planka, they're making the moves, they're they're calling the shots, but are they really? To me, it kind of sounds like LeBron is. LeBron has well, no, probably I, got his I, hand on who they, which pieces that they've brought in, which may or may not have an impact on Lonzo Ball's playing time, which may or may not have an impact on, you know, the young guy's development, who takes the shot at the big moment besides LeBron, all these things. And, 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 and Walton isn't a part of this. He's just going to like I mean, show I, up but, for training camp day one and just manage, manage it and, and it'll all work out. I, I think so. Cause I, I don't think it was Luke's, pitch I, I just really don't I, I think it, it's for me this was all and everything I read everything I heard they said you know LeBron wanted to deal with magic I, I if this would have been like Joey Buss a few years ago and cup check LeBron's not coming but that, that's the like that's what I think a lot of the people are thinking you know LeBron why did he come to the Lakers a basketball decision this and that it was magic I mean when magic walks into a room with you and looks you in the eye and talks to you it's hard. It's hard to not believe the guy. We, we've seen it in so many different things that he's done, and, and he's a winner. Uh, I think that's really what it came down to. I, now, I read this morning there was a Brian Windhorst article that when they sat down and talked with LeBron, they had a game plan. And so uh, since the LeBron move, there have been a couple moves that maybe make you scratch your head a little bit. They signed Rondo. They signed Lance Stevenson, uh, JaVale McGee. Um, and you're, you're kind of going, but what they're doing is they're signing guys to one-year deals, guys that LeBron, the guys that will help handle the ball. Because the big issue was when you watch the playoffs last year, that Cleveland team, when they did not have Kyrie, even, this, even a team that had a bunch of shooters, they couldn't handle the ball. They had nobody to create. It doesn't matter if you have all the shooters in the world. If you can't create for them, it does no good. And then kind of flip it, Mikey, you know, I mean, teams like Boston and Houston, they had all the shooters in the world, but if you go ice cold in the finals, what, what good is it if you have all the shooters in the world? You know, so I, don't, I like what they've done here in that you have now LeBron, Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Rondo, Stevenson. Those are all guys that can handle the ball. All po- people who can play point guard, point forward, who can initiate some offense. So what it will do is it will get LeBron off the ball a little bit more. And I, I actually, do, do I love all of the moves? No. Do I think they're all necessarily the greatest moves? No. But they have a plan. And so I'm. You, you, under, you understand kind of, what they're doing is what you're saying. Like yeah. I get it. So I don't I'm, necessarily I'm agree with the back. Get... Exactly. Okay. Mir, you or I might not have done the same thing. But I like knowing that Magic and LeBron, they have a plan, and they're going to execute it. So from what I've seen from Magic in the last couple of years and how everything has happened, I've got to give him the benefit of the doubt with this and give him at least a ha- you know, see how this works out. And, and I think we talked when we talked about Luke. You've got to give Luke at least, you know, the middle. Like, unless things go very, very badly, I can't see Luke being gone that quick. I mean, unless they start, like, two and ten or something like that, Luke's going to get the benefit of the doubt, at least through the all-star break. And if they're like over 500 and they're in like somewhere in the middle of like the four or five, six in the West, I think that's going to be a fine spot 
for them. Because remember, last year, Cleveland was the four seed in the East. They weren't the one seed either. They had to go on the road a couple times. And when you have LeBron in the playoffs, you, you know, you'll be, you'll be uh, taking your chances. But it's just a... Yeah, and, and, and there's nobody, by the way, where y- you can, you know, like break apart a team midseason and then reassemble it. And sure, they finished four seed. They're trying to work it out. But then still get to the finals unless you've got yeah. LeBron. You know, so he's yeah. proven that. So he gets the benefit of the doubt as a player. Magic, obviously, has done a tremendous job. No disagreements there. I will say this. I'm going to call BS on one thing. I think all this was orchestrated and well-known way before the fact. Remember when Magic opened his mouth on one of those talk shows, Kimmel or somebody, and he got in trouble and got a fine, a slap on the wrist or oh, whatever no, it was? That was Paul George. So that Paul was George. About, that's what's crazy is that that's about Paul George. A, yep. like a year ago, even three weeks ago, it was like Paul George is coming. He yeah, was, so here's the he thing. Was more, he was more for sure than anyone else. I mean, but, it was Paul he, George. Here's what I'm going to tell you, though. Kawhi, anything. Well, here's my theory. My theory is they all knew that LeBron was coming. It had already been decided. I think this whole thing about showing up and three-hour conversation, I call BS on all that, especially in light of two or three days prior to Magic comes out with this like dramatic declaration. Hey, if in two years I don't make a big splash, I'm stepping down. I think he knew all along, and that's why he had the balls to be able to make that statement. I, I am convinced I he- that he knew all along. Well, I think and then it was all it was all arranged, you know. It was a very nice theatrics and drama and that type of stuff. They didn't want to let the cat get out of the bag, and that's why they made it happen so quickly. That's my. I theory. mean, I I think it's been in the works. Obviously, I mean, we've heard a few weeks ago when he he's had his kids enrolled in school and stuff. But I I think it's just like anything for LeBron. He and I do believe this when I hear it. He he has to look. He wanted to look you in the eye. That is he wanted to come to the Lakers, but. He wanted Ma- he wanted Magic to sell him, and he got sold. That that's really what he wanted, you know. And he wanted Magic to say, "This is going to happen. We're going to do this. We're going to, you know." And and I think it wasn't it wasn't that he Magic swayed him that one night, but it was just okay. We've been planning this now. Now I, now I feel let's do this and let's move and let's go forward. Um, I do think that. Well, why do you hold that thought, by after, the way? Because we're a little bit late yeah, on let's the break. break. Let's take yeah, a break. Let's take a break, and then I want I want to hear what you got to say. Uh, stay with us. We'll continue with this conversation and get Gino's thoughts on this huge move by the Lakers. We'll be right back. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Thunder chickens beware, we're coming for ya. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, it's all about the Spring Gobbler Smackdown and our panel of pros are out for beards. Joining us is David Blanton of Bill Jordan's Realtree Outdoors and Monster Bucks, outdoor writer M.D. Johnson, and Pete Muller from the National Wild Turkey Federation. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Talking about the big, huge move by the Los Angeles Lakers, of course, landing LeBron James and all the moves that have been made since then. Gino, you were uh, mid-thought before we had to go to a commercial there, so uh, why don't you keep your thoughts rolling and deliver the goods on this move by Magic Johnson? Yeah, we were talking about how um, you kind of thought that this was all set up before, and my my thoughts were Magic might have thought that he had Paul George in the bag. You know, he might have, have been, when he was talking about how I'm going to, and that was the tampering and all that, and up until just a few weeks ago, everybody thought Paul George was going to come. And then his, his entire um, mindset and attitude flipped. I mean, think about this. Paul George asked out of Indy because he said, I'm going to go to the Lakers next year. He told him. He was trying to be nice to Indy to say, hey, trade me, get something back, and then because I'm going to leave in free agency. So they trade him to OKC for a year, for basically what was just going to be, they thought, a year rental. And he ends up staying there, and he ends up losing millions of dollars by this. Millions of dollars by not, by not being able, by not staying in Indy, and then he doesn't go where he wants to go. It was bizarre. So not only did he not end up in L.A., he lost out on money. It was just such a weird decision from Paul George. And, and even after he made it, the last couple of days, he kind of, well, the Lakers could have traded for me last year and this and that. He seems a little sour. So uh, to be completely honest, I'm, after hearing it, I, I probably didn't, didn't want Paul George now. You know, after just kind of hearing the, the attitude, I'm fine with LeBron, the young guys, and let's, let's go forward. Because the key to this group, and what we just heard when we were talking with Zach, uh, we were talking about, you know, some of the young prospects and what we've seen with the Phillies and the Braves in, uh, in the MLB and what we saw with the Cubs a few years back and we've seen with the Yankees recently, it's really hard to project young guys and uh, young players, young athletes, and what their progression is going to be. Because a lot of it is just based on work ethic. Is somebody going to take a big step forward or are they going to kind of plateau or are they going to regress? And for me, I love these young Lakers. I, they all work really hard. I expect them to improve more than I think most other people do. And if they don't, they're going to struggle. But th- So speaking of the young guys, then how, where, you know, how do you see Lonzo Ball fitting into this equation? Sounds like he's the other teams aren't that high on him in terms of trade value. So his his best spot is to stay put, and I think that's kind of what you've been advocating for with yeah. all the young guys. But ultimately, yeah. how do you th- see this thing playing out? And I'm not even concerned about his dad and all those antics and all that kind yeah, of crap. I, mean, but I love on Lonzo. White, I love Lonzo. I mean – and, I, and I, it's funny because I'm a USC fan, and I, I did not like Lonzo at all a year ago. Just watching him at UCLA, I, I didn't root for him. I did not want the Lakers to draft him. To be completely honest, I liked Fox better than him. I thought Fox was, like, tougher and had more of, like, uh, intensity. And, and I, I didn't know, like, Lonzo is so nonchalant. Like, he's so lackadaisical. His, his attitude, just the way he talks, the way he moves. He, and you watch him. Brandon Ingram's kind of the same. So you wonder what some of these guys, like, What's their personality like? But then when you watch Lonzo on the court, I mean, I watch, I watch every, every single Laker game. You know, all, all of them, Lonzo played in 50-plus games last year. 
And the, the key is for Lonzo is, man, I just don't think anybody understands how good he is defensively and, and how smart of a player he is. It's just so everybody's focusing in on his shot. He can't make shots. He shot 41% from three in college. You know, he, he shot 30% as a rookie. Nobody's ever struggled shooting the ball as a rookie. I think it's just so, like, people have completely made the decision on Lonzo that he can't play off the ball. Him and LeBron aren't going to play well together. Man, I, I could see LeBron really taking him under his wing. Because, you know, remember, when LeBron came into the league, and same thing with Rondo, their guard, they were ball handlers who can't shoot very well. I mean, LeBron's never, he's now a much better shooter, but he's never been a great shooter, not even a great free throw shooter. And so well, I, even, I even, Kobe, even Kobe improved on his shot. I mean, that's, that's for sure. You know, but I think maybe it's because of the unorthodox mechanics that maybe people are a little yeah, bit critical. I mean, and, and the thing about Lonzo is he's not a great free throw shooter. He shot, I think, 67% in college, but he's still not a great free throw shooter. So that, that is generally a lot of the time um, a, a, a precursor of, like, how good you're going to be as a, as a shooter in general. But I, I, I don't worry about him at all because he just is a smart – like, I like having a bunch of smart basketball players. And I, I do think going against Rondo and practice every day, that's going to be great for Lonzo, someone who can play defense, who's like – we know the things that we know about Rondo, he's a different kind of dude. I mean, I mean he, is, he is like an, ab, an actual genius. Like, if you IQ tests and everything, he's like the smartest player in the entire NBA. He knows everything about opposing team sets, defensive this and that. He, he's a little bit, he gets it too much inside his own head sometimes, but he has just a wealth of knowledge that I think would be great for Lonzo to just absorb. You think Rondo uh, gives a helping hand as well, or is he more worried about himself? I you know, I, I think in a spot like this, with LeBron, that, that's the key, man, because if you're a type of player and you're on a team with LeBron and you know that your team is already going to be a contender, if you can't play for the team and figure out how to help, then, then you know what, you're not the type of player I want around. Yeah, right? but here's the thing with Rondo. I mean, is there, is there a playoff series that we've seen Rondo in where he's not helped that team play so oh, much better? Excellent. Oh, I mean, right? excellent. So, how many, so how is he on this many teams? You know, I think... Like, it's it, not supposed to happen is, like that, man. I mean, yeah, he's, well, that, he's that was, a ridiculous playoff performer. I think in the last few years, he's just he's gone up and down. And I think what happened when he went to Dallas and he quit on that Dallas team, I think it, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. He kind, he kind of had to reestablish himself after going to Dallas and really just not getting along with Carlisle. They butted heads. And, he, he, yeah, he pretty much quit on the team there. So I think it's been one of those instances where he's had to um, show, hey, I can play team ball. And he did. I mean, last year he was – he was excellent. Um, it, I mean, even a couple years ago against Boston, it was very good. Uh, he's he's. A I don't remember. I don't remember a bad team. playoff series. I don't remember a, any yeah. series that I've ever seen in the playoffs where I haven't been like, dude, this guy makes this team way better. You know, I'm just so, a know, little bit concerned when you're talking about bringing him in on a team on such a young team. You know, a team with a lot of young players, like you were mentioning, learning from LeBron, fantastic. Don't learn attitude wise and things like that. You know, Rondo. We'll see. Maybe because maybe LeBron and Rondo can see eye to eye, and and he can help m- mitigate that perhaps a little bit. Being uh, LeBron James, you know, I wouldn't put it past him. There's some fun personalities there in this team now. With with uh, you know, you, you can't forget about Jail McGee also who comes in, and then Lance uh, Lance Stevenson who Lance Stevenson who is blow, blow in, in LeBron's ear. And and you know, it's funny <laughs> we. 
the one, the one thing as we, which you mentioned, and I, I would definitely say this for sure, there's no way they're signing any of these guys, though, without LeBron saying okay. No. So we know that LeBron doesn't mind Rondo, and we know that LeBron doesn't mind Lance. He likes guys that have battled him. You know, he wants guys that have gone right at him. Like tough and, guys. And, we'll, and, we'll, and that's what it seems like that was what the Lakers wanted to do when they built this team right now. And is this team a title contender? I don't think so. But, but as we said, if Brandon Ingram takes another big step, and Kyle Kuzma, who's doing his three days, if he takes another big step, and if Lonzo takes a step, and Josh Hart, who's been awesome playing in summer league right now, I mean, that's the thing with the Lakers is they've got four solid young guys. A lot of other teams have one or two. If we can get all of those guys to continue to progress together, this is going to be a very good team. I mean, when you look at the West, no doubt about it, you'll have the Warriors up top, especially they just added Boogie. They're, they're going to be in, impossible to beat. And you have Houston, who um, is, is probably going to be good again right below them. But then after that, remember how close it was last year between 3 and 10? I mean, yeah. you're telling me the Lakers this year couldn't, if, couldn't be a 3 seed when Portland was last year? Yeah, the number of games you have to move up on three or four. Yeah, yeah, number of games you have to move up on is is not that substantial. No, you're absolutely right about that. It's it's gonna be interesting, man. This is gonna be a a fun NBA season. However, there's a flip side to that, which is not sure if you saw, uh, or I'm sure you have. You know, some of these odds that have been published of the entire NBA, all but nine teams have over 100 to one odds to win the championships. Now the yeah. remain of the remaining now when I'm when I say over 100 to 1 I'm talking like a bunch of 500 to 1s and even 1000 to 1s. So Cleveland went 21 to teams, as soon as he left, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, so 21 teams are over 100 to 1 odds to win the NBA finals. Out of the remaining 9, I think maybe half of those are like 40, 50, 60 to 1 shots. Really you're talking about three or four teams that even have a chance. You know, is it, I mean, oh, is this good for the NBA? I mean, it's not that compelling in a way. It's almost like they should have like a, a four-team league. Just play each other every night. <laughs> it's <laughs> See so, who wins. so weird about it, right? Like, I agree with you. They're going to have to change something because the system is broken. Golden State is taking advantage of the system, so props to them. Don't hate the play. I hate the game, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's yep. just – Agreed. That's the way it is. So great job. They're all – because if they, if they didn't take pay cuts to go try to win, we'd all complain that these athletes just won all their money. And then when they do go take pay cuts, we complain that – the team is too good. There's something that needs to happen to kind of help the competitive balance, though. And some, I'm sure there's going to be things that, that changed with the cap uh, when it blew up in 2016. That's going to tweak. But it's funny, everybody's talking about what's going on, right? Even if it's bad, if everybody's talking about it, how bad is it? It's not like no, anyone is ignoring it. Everyone was talking about LeBron or that he's got so much money or what's the boogie. I can't believe boogie. So... I, I agree with you in that maybe the regular season and, and now some teams might not be as into the year, not thinking they have a chance, but on a national scale, um, LeBron being back in L.A. and you know somebody and trying to take down the Warriors is kind of an intriguing uh, storyline. I, I, well, I think it is I because of the team that he's on. You know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like, 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 right, the, yeah. like the World Series or the MLB playoffs will always be interesting no matter what if the Yankees are in there or if the Red Sox are in there or if the Dodgers are in there. You know right. what I mean? But you, if you get a, you string along a number of years where it's just Milwaukee's and Houston's, et cetera, it's not in Tampa and teams like that. It's not going to be that exciting. So the in the NBA, what you've got is a bunch of – yeah, I mean, in, in NBA, you've got, you know, those, those select few teams, you know, 
three or four teams in the West, you know, one team really uh, in, in the East. And then you, you've got maybe like, you know, teams that should have decent records like the Torontos and the Sixers, you know, in the East. And then you're going to be looking at teams that maybe just have an individual player, you know, like the Greek freak in Milwaukee, right? Uh, the Brow in, 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 in New Orleans, right? If you don't have a guy like that, then... You're done. Yeah. You're done. I mean, it's just not intriguing. Uh, Wednesday matchup, Tuesday matchup, you know, I mean, any of these 82 are not going to be that compelling unless one of those teams is visiting your town, you know? We got to wrap it up here. About, we got about 40, 45 seconds, so yeah. jump in here. So, so what we, I think, what we'll see is in the next few years, they're going to have to start seeding one through sixteen because the the East is just not good enough. They don't deserve. There's going to be four or five teams in the East that make the playoffs that don't deserve to. And and think about in All Star games, you know, and 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 things like that. There's going to be an All Star team in the East that's like a B level All Star team. So yep. we're going to have fun talking about all this NBA stuff over the next couple months. But Absolutely. man, it's it's fun to be back in relevance now with the Lakers. No, no doubt about that, brother. Well, good show, like always, man. Always fun talking sports with you, Gino, and hope listeners enjoyed today's show. We will be back next week, same time, same place. Enjoy your sports weekend and a great round of World Cup matchups. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.